Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Today, we've got an incredible guest, uh, Jersey Jersey native, just like me, as a matter of fact. We'd probably be trying to do this in person if we weren't facing down the barrel of a second lockdown. Cannot wait to talk to him, but before we do, got to pay the bills, got to keep the lights on here by shouting out longtime sponsors of the show, your friends and ours, no judges needed. Your one-stop shop for all of your BJJ apparel needs. I'm talking rash guards, uh, combat shorts, uh, geese, along with casual wear and hoodies. It's getting cold out, everybody. Uh, and obviously the quality is there. In fact, the, the quality is so good that Kevin Gallagher himself has graced the website modeling several of their pieces of apparel and disregard the fact that they're dumb enough to sponsor wacos like us. <laughs> You're looking at the quality, uh, quality ain't come cheap. They're happy to help you out. Uh, they partnered with us to get you guys a promo code, type in the code JJT at checkout to net 20% off all purchases. Let them know we sent you. You're helping us out. You're helping them out. You're helping yourselves out. Empowerment. Go help yourselves out. Use the promo code. And these guys are a really good brand. They're great for the community. You're, you're buying back into the the environment and, and helping a lot of athletes out. They're definitely not shy with helping out some of the talent down south. So that again, that is code JJT at checkout for nojudgesneeded.com. Ad read over. All right. Oh, I don't know if that crack came through on the mic, but that was a really good one. Today, we're welcoming to the show uh, a seminal figure in the, the competitive BJJ scene. He's he's lent his, his dulcet tones to many uh, a fight commentary track, most recently at, at this uh, last weekend's Fight to Win in Philadelphia, Fight to Win 157. Uh, please welcome to the show. Uh, BJJ black belt uh, instructor and color commentator Jay Regalbuto. Jay, you thank doing, you so man? much. Thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? What's up, Kevin's? It's good to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's a uh, it's a good day in in the area, man. Thanks for coming on. You're a lot of fun. I've, I've, we, me and me and uh, me and Mr. Smashbuff Jay have been on several podcasts together. We've had on the Old Man Grappin Hour a few times and. You know, every once in a while he calls me to to coach Nikki Rod for him. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I would be delighted to help you coach Nikki Rod. But we both know when you coach Nikki Rod, you really just stand in the corner and <laughs> hey, Nick, go kill him. Just, yeah, just tell him how much time's left. Exactly. It's really funny because when I, coaching, like coaching Nick Rodriguez in a match, is really more about just making sure he makes it to the match without getting disqualified. That is it. <laughs> Now, Jay, when you rules meetings, you don't even know where he's at. Like it's two minutes before it's time to go, and he's like, "You got, you got to go look for." Hey, dude, what are you doing, man? You're on right sleeping. now. Not passing it, taking a nap. Yep, just twenty minutes before the match, just wake him up and he'll be yep. fine. Hashtag show pony. That's it. I got, I got I got to ask, when you first encountered Mr. Nicky Rod, was he wearing a shirt or was he just in the wild, just, just no, making his days long? <laughs> he was wearing a flow wrestling, uh, flow wrestling short, flow <laughs> wrestling t-shirt. So I knew he had something to do with wrestling, but he was just, dude, he's a different kind of animal. Again, dude, there's been so many like ridiculously good wrestlers in jujitsu, D1 wrestlers. You know, his first loss was to Hudson Taylor, like Hudson Taylor is a d1 like legend like fifth most pins all time in ncaa history right like 
you know, Hudson didn't take – no offense to Hudson. Hudson's right. amazing, but, like, yeah, Nick's just a special talent, man. It's, you know, he, he, is. he was like, a freak I, from day one. Yo, his, his little brother – his little brother is supposed to be making his debut this weekend as uh, long as everything goes through with the tournament. Nice. You'll be nice. seeing young Jay Rodriguez race nice. the match. Nice, nice. Yeah. I love seeing their Instagram uh, or Nick's <laughs> Instagram pictures of him and his brother. I swear, they're at the beach wrestling like every week. Every every weekend they're at the beach. You see them wrestling in the water and, and, and messing with each other. Kitchen, dining room, it don't, <laughs> it don't matter where they are. And God forbid they're in the room together. So Nick, Nick trains in Manhattan now. But uh, Jay trains with me at Studio 84. Uh, so Nick's been coming down almost every week, man, since we've been up in, in Cream Ridge. It's not too far of a drive for him from up there. And uh, it's really, obviously, it's really good rounds uh, up there. And uh, him and his brother, it, as soon as the mat's clear, like after they rolled with everybody, then that's it. That's when the camera comes out and them two got to just fight it out. Fun. <laughs> You've got John Combs <laughs> up there in your room now too, right? Isn't John isn't John Dude, up there with you? Very, guys? Yes, he is, man. It's a very, very fun room, man. We got a lot of talent. We got a man. you know, yeah, a lot of up and coming guys, man, but we're uh we're lucky. And then and then like I said, we have guys like, you know, Nicky Rod that still come down to train and you know, be in those sessions with us. I've had some conversations with uh, I've rolled with uh, John Combs a couple times yeah. when he came down. He was down to Tampa, kind of running around. He's you know he's 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 boys with Josh Leduc. He came down here training yep. with us, and um, he he is not only an incredibly gifted uh, grappler, like he's really fun to, to to roll with. He's one of those guys that just doesn't get tired. Like he just when yeah. you roll with him, like you get to about the the you know the last minute of the round last 30 seconds of the round and you think to yourself like how is this person still sucking the life out of me every chance he gets and that's that's what it's like rolling with John very Combs. intelligent grappler and he's a very, very smart kid yeah that was the other thing like talking to him I hope to get him on the show sometime he keeps fucking with me but we'll get him eventually he um I've talked to him before and had some conversations with, with him before and his jujitsu IQ was very high he has a lot yeah. of knowledge. He's a very smart guy, very humble, very, very eth ethereal in his in his concepts and things like that. Kev, was that the right word? Did I use that right? Ethereal? You did. I think you, you got you're good. You're good. I'm pretty sure you're good. Actually, I think I got ethereal. I, I didn't have my head into the Thor's the Thor's movie. No, nah, you're good. 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 The knuckleheads watching this show don't know if I use it. Right no, anyway. They're still banging rock. There's the the average viewer of the show banging rocks in the cave trying to make fun of it right now. Um, Jay, I, I actually I had a one. I, I just want you to know that you, your boy Nicky Rod let me down a little bit uh, the last oh, time we doing? had him on the show yeah. because I opened with some Jersey specific questions. So I hit him with the okay, buddy, your your brand is Big Jersey, Bon Jovi or Springsteen, and he's like who. And then oh, it hit me just young, how young he is. Young, dude. He's so young, but I'm not. I'm not that old, and I, I, I got an answer for that, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I, dude. All I mean, honestly, man. All the like the majority of the people that I'm working with right now are so young, like two 18 year olds. Dude, one just turned 21. Like, there's, they're so young. Like, I can't even. We'll be driving somewhere, and I'm like, dude. I'm, I, I'm like your dad driving you guys somewhere, man. But it's, <laughs> yeah. but they are, man. They just they get they get good quick now, man. They're they're so young, so that don't surprise me that he didn't know Springsteen or or um, Bon Jovi, man. I, I go mean, Springsteen. I like them both, but I'm spring more. Of spring. Oh hell yeah, Radio Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, Nikki, Nick, Nick Rodriguez is, is one of those kids that you don't really recognize how young he is. You, when you, when you're around him, you kind of, he does yeah. young things. Well, I mean, but he's, he's the also type of very kid, like mature. He's a intelligent he's also kid. the type of kid that looks like just genetically. He's looked like he's 25 since he was 16. I bet, you know, yeah, I don't want to make this just the Jersey power hour podcast. Although fucking yeah. Garden state, you know, represent. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> Born in Livingston, I'm, I'm raised on Taylor Ham. Hell yeah, Taylor Ham. Taylor Ham. I, I got pork I roll in the fridge. We took out pork roll for dinner. Okay, I so got you, family so in call, Jersey. All right, no, no, no. Eh, eh, right. bring it to a halt. So you say pork, pork roll. roll. You say pork roll. Man. I think yeah. that's some bullshit right there. I think I, it's I, Taylor see, Ham. <laughs> dude, never even heard of it as Taylor Ham until like a couple years ago. Oh, that's and small. I'm old, man. I'm old. <laughs> I've got family in Jersey. And uh, we we call it. They call it uh, pork roll up there in Trenton, outside okay. of Trenton. They call it. They, yeah. they call it pork roll. So I would. All I right. knew Taylor Hampton hey. because I've heard of it before. Right. We've been yeah. we've been looking to sell Trenton to another state. Anyone who wants it for years. So like, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna. That's that great. The, the only thing, Jersey people, we're like New Yorkers in that the only people we hate more than anyone not in the state is people outside, is people in the state that are just from a place that's different than us. Like, <laughs> exactly. But I, sure I wanted to hate each other. Exactly. I wanted to talk a little bit about just because it seems like in America, you do have these hot spots of jujitsu. You know, you've got a lot of places spotted around California, you've got uh, New York, obviously. But it feels like jujitsu in New Jersey specifically has a special bite to it, and we've got we can claim so many of the massive stars active today and throughout. You know the recent jujitsu scene in the past like twenty years. Why do you think Jersey has been such a hotbed of talent? I don't know, but it's funny you say that because this this is something I actually talk about a, a decent amount. Um, and when you mentioned California, like a lot of the jujitsu in California was brought to Cal, you know what I mean? Like wasn't not original from California. When you look at Jersey, dude, think about this. Gordon Ryan, Gary Tonin, Frankie Edgar, yeah, uh, Nicky Rod, Tom DeBlass. Dude, that's just off the top of my head. We're all born within like 30 miles of each other. Yeah. I mean, when you Jersey is not a very big state. Jersey is no, not. It's not. Geographically speaking, right? You know, uh, Mikey Mishmechi's from Jersey. Yeah, it's crazy. What? I, where do? You, what do you really attribute that to? Do you think it's? Do you think it's the the Hinzo Gracie Alameda? Well, the wrestling. You know, too. Well, for sure that helps. You know, what I mean that 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 helps big time having a place like Ricardo's and Henzo's in this area. But I, man, I, I don't know, man. The water. Radioactive water, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but it, they're just tougher, man. They hate to quit. They or they hate to lose, man. They're they're hard workers. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely it's amazing uh, the concentrated talent that has come out of a thirty mile, forty mile radius in New Jersey. There's definitely. Yeah. I I go to Jersey. I'm up there quite a bit. I used to, I go up there probably every summer, once a year or so, to go visit my family and stuff that's up there. And there's definitely that blue collar kind yeah. of workman workhorse kind of ethic but they're also you know it's also the the northeast so there's also that intelligent kind of yeah. that kind of thing there's there's something about that that area pennsylvania new jersey new york i remember when i used to wrestle in high school 
when we'd have kids that would come down from Jersey or Pennsylvania to wrestle with us, they were always the toughest ones. There's just something yeah. just tough, just tough, rugged, just like you said. You know, you live a hard life. It snows. You're in the winter time. You know what I mean? It's winter a, sucks. It smells, summer, so, sucks. It smells <laughs> so bad all the time, everywhere. No one knows you, how to. You drive. live in Jersey. It's like the fuck is Jersey? You're just pissed yeah. off all the time. Everybody's broke. Oh, no one has any money. The taxes are through the roof. We hate our governor. It's just, it's a perfect storm. I, I, I got to say that I learned, you can learn a lot about Jersey just from my dad. My dad was, uh, I think, a Mendham, born and raised, uh, captain of the wrestling team. And he got in trouble for his yearbook quote, which was, wrestlers eat their dead. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, that, that looks about right. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, no. He, and he actually, he kept me out of grappling when I was, I asked him like, hey, why didn't you ever like push to get me in into, you know, uh, lifting and, and wrestling? And he's like, Kev, uh, I nearly died all the time. I was peeing blood. My liver shut down. Yeah. I didn't want that for you. <laughs> yeah. I was cutting down no, so much. <laughs> that's funny. You know what? It's something that I do with my guys a ton, dude, is, is I am not into cutting weight. None of them. Yeah. Let's fight where we let's just be the smarter, better grappler and let's just be healthy. And at a natural weight, we're, we're within five pounds of where we need to be at all times. So we're always ready to go. You know, that's you know, I never make it about a cut. That's interesting to me, too, because, you know, there's different scenarios. I've talked about this a lot with a, with a, with a bunch of different, you know, concepts or different areas of thought. And, you know, when, when you talk about the benefits of cutting weight, you know, in an MMA fight, it makes sense because you weigh in the day before. And I'm, again, I am by no means condoning it because I think it's one of the most archaic rules in the history of fucking rules. I think it's something that we started doing in the early days of boxing that has yeah. just become a tradition that really doesn't make sense, but people do it anyway. So now it has become a part of the sport. And it's a dangerous element of the sport that gets people hurt. You know, when you yeah, hydrate you yourself, it, your brain is susceptible to injuries, but at a much higher rate, there's all kind of shit. And what ends up happening is, is when guys cut that weight, I see it happen all the time. People that are getting ready. First of all, you know, when you're getting ready for an MMA fight, you know, it makes more sense because you could dehydrate and then rehydrate yourself back up to the, right. the next day. But if your fucking opponent is doing the same thing, what the fuck's the point? <laughs> you know, if, exactly. if I'm cutting, if I'm cutting 15 pounds of water weight and I rehydrate back up to 15 pounds heavier the day before the fight and you do it too, like, why don't we just call it a wash and not do it? Yeah. Why don't we just make a, a gentleman's agreement and just say we won't do that because it don't ever happen. But hey, I get it. But yep. the point of the matter is, is I see I'm some I'm I'm, I'm amped up today. I got COVID, man. I'm all I'm all hyped up. I'm sorry, Jay. I apologize. I'll let you you're talk. Good, you're good. <laughs> but when 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 you talk about it in the context of a jujitsu match, where you're weighing in normally the day of, yes, I guess yeah. some fight that wins you weigh in the day the day before and all those sort of things like that. But but even if you're say you're talking about like the worlds or something like that, and you're cutting down or turning a big tournament. ADCC, right? And you're cutting yep. down the day of the event, right? To go literally, sometimes you go from the scale to the mats. Oh, God, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, all the time. What benefit does it give you? And what I see is, and I notice a lot of guys that will get ready for big events, and they're so consumed by their weight cut. I have purple belts coming up to me. Nailed saying, it. 
Coach Kev, man, like, how, what do I do about losing this eight pounds? I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you go worry about your guard passing? You know what I'm talking there about? Go, you know, go back you, in time eight months and put down right, the cake. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you get so consumed by the idea of having to cut that weight that they forget it's a jiu-jitsu tournament. It's not a weight-cutting tournament. I just I – don't, I don't get it. I don't cut weight. On occasion, I do when I hamstring myself, when I get fat. I had to cut 11 pounds for the world a couple years back just because I'm yeah. stupid. But, like – I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Like the concepts of jujitsu is based upon, you know, using leverage to your advantage and all this other shit like that. You're going to do the fucking absolute anyway. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. I need you to be good at jujitsu, not cutting weight. Exactly. This is a jujitsu tournament. <laughs> not a, not a tournament. <laughs> now, I, I got to ask do you, you, this is the message you put out. Are your students receptive to it or do they just like screw around anyway and like cut 20 pounds? To- <laughs> no. Nah, they're pretty. Dude, I'll tell you what. The, the serious ones, the, the, the ones who are serious, serious, uh, no, they, they listen, man, I, it's why they're, they excel the way they do, man. They listen. They do exactly what they're supposed to do, man. They lift. They eat right. Um, they're right on weight. Uh, dude, this one, the one kid, Steve, that we have, Joe Ackham. That's Steve, really, Stevie J, yeah. Oh, he's on a tear, man. But, but listen, so he's been working with the nutritionist nutritionist tatiana who's uh over at studio 84 with us and he was in the middle of cutting down to bulk so he was like stripping himself of fat to go because we really want him around 225 230 to see how he can move at that weight but so we were trying to get him down to 200 so he could build himself back up in the weight muscle with muscle and uh that's when the copapodia thing happened so now here's the thing they wanted him at 88 kilograms he was already at two, like like low twos, good paycheck, flying him out there. Very big opportunity to go against the black belt um, in Brazil on a big stage. We'll cut the weight for it. Didn't want to, and I'll probably never make him cut again because that was 193. is probably the lowest he's been since he was in eighth grade. Wow. Um, That's a big cut having, for a big guy. Having, yeah, no, having, Especially I after got... a 12-hour trip to Brazil. Yeah, I I got the chance. He was one of the guys I actually got to sit down with after his match at uh, Fight to Win this past. Oh weekend. yeah, that's right. That's right. And seeing him like seeing him and tell and and hearing that's the weight he was fighting at. Like this dude looks like Captain America. You I know. know he doesn't. He looks like he's exactly where he needs to be for that one. I don't. I wouldn't want to see him get any depleted. You know, like he yeah. seems like. A, so where you saw him on Saturday, he will probably get him another fifteen to twenty pounds heavier than that. A muscle for to put the muscle back a muscle on, right? yeah. for yeah. trials. Wait, how old, how old is he? He just turned just turned twenty one. Oh God, bless his heart. When you're twenty one, you could do shit like that. You could oh, just put yeah. twenty pounds of muscle mass on. I used fucking, to think I'd have more time. <laughs> I used to think I'd have more time before the, Brody, the people showed up younger than me, making me feel like that, I'm yeah. not doing enough. And, That's uh, what I always say when guys. I gave talk him his shit purple now. belt like a month ago. Oh yeah, he just got his purple belt like a who, month ago. Who is the kid that came down with Nikki to uh, to Miami or Nick to Miami that uh, that did the tag team with him? Andrew Tolbert, Andrew yeah. Tolbert, who was, uh, again, similar to, very similar to Steve. He's ran into some um, some personal issues mentally that he had to take care of. So he's uh, unfortunately away from us for a while, um, which, which stinks because uh, amazing kid and, and the talent. Uh, he was another one, man. It was about, it, with about eight months of training, he went 
uh, on a run three weekends in a row, winning expert divisions at 210, beating, you know, winning four to five matches each one as a white belt beating black belts, beating competitive black belts. And that's what Steve's doing now, man. They just, man, you tell these guys how to win. And, and you know, Nikki Rod was a excellent blueprint on, you know, if you can put the time in and you can get to these rooms and you listen, none of them are doing, you know, like Steve's not taking a basic class anywhere, you know, right. he's training at Danaher's multiple times a week at studio multiple times a week uh, with me at South Jersey at, at the 6 a.m.s. like uh, he's training at Tom DeBlass's at least once a week, like every day is difficult like every day is a punishing punishing day for him so he trains with with gordon de blast uh you know nicky rod constantly nicky rod's little brother you know the guys we have at studio combs all them guys uh, guy mion who owns studio like he's you know he's losing the majority of his matches uh, you know the majority of his roles a week to some serious competitors so when he goes on the mat against the blue belt it's not even it's practice yeah. you know it's not yeah. even difficult you're just so sick of losing in practice that by the time you get on stage you're just like i don't Everything want to do losing easy, man especially when you're rolling with intelligent people you know he's rolling with with you know people that are ranked in the top five in the world on a consistent basis as a you know new purple belt a 21 year old who's listens he and you know i got my leg lock guy who comes on you know who comes in on wednesday mornings at 6 a.m and trains with me who was a huge part of nicky rod's progress in the beginning his name is luke zayman um black belt under ricardo Almeida. but his leg lock game is just off the charts he's 40 so he's you know right. he's a he's a, a world champion at brown belt um yeah I, hey i'm 42 i hear you <laughs> but his, his leg game I, he, he submitted Jason Rao too in, in oh, wow. competition. Yeah. So oh, wow. Rao, that's impressive. Yeah. Jason Rao. Rao yeah. When six when it's six a.m. in the morning and these kids are making sure they're there, and then right. when class is over, he's in fifty fifty with my leg lock guy for another three, you know, another fifteen twenty minutes reviewing escapes, reviewing. I mean, dude, when they asked me to put him up against black belts, I yeah, he's probably going to win against most of them. You know. So. Tell me, so there's, there's obviously you're doing something right because just having talent doesn't necessarily equate to being able to compete on these high levels. Cause there's, you know, there's hotbeds of wrestling talent in yeah. other parts of the country and other parts of the world that isn't producing the same amount of high level talent to, uh, to, to be able to compete at the level that you compete. Cause I know plenty of d1 wrestlers and yeah they suck to roll with their pain exactly the but eventually but, i'm going to catch them eventually i'm yeah. going to get to them like tell right. me some of the things that you do specifically all right in so, your room to make that happen now remember i'm not dealing with hobbyists right the majority of my classes not majority all of my classes are basically dealing with people who compete or want to train at that level Okay. Not all of them go around to all the rooms and everything, but the ones who are serious, serious do. At that point, I put all our focus on what our strongest attributes are. And if it's still, we're figuring out what our strongest attributes are, it's going to be the highest percentage 
of technique, this techniques with the highest percentage of passing, sweeping, and submitting. You know, we focus a ton on getting to the back. We focus a lot on, on leg lock defense. Um, but then the biggest thing is getting as many rounds in as possible and then competing as much as possible. Now, listen, like Nicky Rod's little brother, right? Jay, just he's 18 years old, just graduated. You know, it's his first year out of high school. He's been training with me for about six weeks, roughly six weeks. Okay. Does he have wrestling? Absolutely. Dude, this weekend he weighs like 185. He's going to be fighting at 210 and in the expert division for his first tournament. Okay. Because he needs to understand that if that's the level that we want to compete against and I need you to win against, then I need you to know what that feels like right now. You know, if you're trying to get good quick, you know, then compete against what you want to compete against immediately. That's a good, that's Same a good thing with MMA point. guys. Same thing with MMA guys. If you're an MMA guy, even an amateur MMA guy, what would you enter a beginner or an intermediate division for? If you're doing super fights, you want to do super fights, would he enter an intermediate uh, for your ego to get practice in? I don't know. I think that if you're competing at the, the highest, if that's where you want to be, then you need to start immediately competing at that at that level so you know what expert division feels like, you know? Like I said, he's 185, but he's growing, so I want him competing against people that are 210 so he understands what that's going to feel like already. You know, I'm not scared of the leg locks because, again, a big thing that we do when we're focusing on competition training is putting us in positions where we don't have to, you know, worry about our opponent's game. And we're just very, very good at, inf or at uh, you know, pushing the pace to keep it at, in our corner and, you know, in our game the majority of the time. That's, you, uh, that's an real, interesting guy, Kev. Real quick, to how many years removed are we, for, do you think, from a, a, a J – J Rod, Nikki Ryan, super fight. <laughs> Cause that sounds like there'd be a lot of coolness there. <laughs> so man, I I'll be honest. Jay's Jay's really, really good, man. Jay's, um, you know, we, again, we have a lot of people that come through the room. Uh, remember I only, and I only teach no gi. Like I don't teach any classes in a gi other than a, a 6am on Monday mornings. But other than that, I really don't teach any classes in a gi. So when Jay's in a room with me, He's never, he has no idea, not only who anybody is, but what any rank anybody is. So a guy like Jay, well, I mean, most people, because we have so many visitors coming in, are completely blind to what the people that are rolling. I know what the people are, and I know who I'm pairing them with, but I've watched him already pass pan champion, purple belt pan champions, guard, take their back and strangle them. Yeah, I, I, I think about, first of all, like it's, that's a pretty cool process because I, I think about that all the time too. Like I, I, I wonder about the actual idea of nurturing someone that is already a competitive wrestler and putting them in a beginner intermediate level and just allowing them to, you know, they're going to run through a purple belt. There's no one in the purple belt division. So right. they're going to give them a challenge. They're going to run right through that. You know, right. and, and then thinking to myself, well, they don't really need to learn how to be a competitor. You don't. You don't really need to teach them how to how to learn how to have that desire to win. So you don't really need to cultivate that in them. So why not just throw them in the expert division and say, "Hey, go out there," because that's that's the, the philosophy behind that. What you talked about, the idea of saying, "This is what if you want to compete at the next level, which you're going to do eventually." You know, you don't need a participation trophy to go beat up a bunch of blue belts. We're going to put you in the expert because this is what yeah. you need to look forward to. This is what you need to be prepared for. Yeah, I teach them how to win. 
Yeah. More than – look, I've commentated over probably close to 80 events, probably close to 3,000 matches. I've watched very, very meticulously and very, very closely how people win. I have no choice but to really, really focus on how people win, right? So rather than take somebody like Jay Rodriguez or Steve Joachim or Justin Pack, any of these young guys coming up, right, and say, all right, here's a stacking guard pass. What a waste of time I, it would be for them, for me to even show them something that's putting them possibly in a triangle at the level that they'd be. Because they don't understand. They don't even understand the concept. Exactly. They don't understand the concept of it. Or show them a scissor sweep. Again, not that a scissor sweep isn't something that can be effective, but, I mean, how many people brand new have you seen try a scissor sweep and you watch their knee get smashed down and you get their guard pass? So I'm not teaching – instead of teaching them that kind of stuff, I'm teaching them float passing. I'm teaching them uh, double under pressure passing. Teaching them how to get past a butterfly half guard, which is – the thing that they're going to see more than anything. You know what I mean? I focus on the very, very specific things that will they'll see in competition at a high level. And I watch enough high level competition to know exactly what they're going to see. Just like if you stay, if you, if you, you know, many people I watch that go against guys like Jason Rao or good leg lockers and dude, they step directly into their guard. Right. Uh, with no plan, with no force to the control, with no biting on the, the push leg, like nothing, like step in with reckless abandon. Now, listen, if you're Kennedy Maciel, you could step in anybody's guard with, with reckless abandon. But, I mean, to just do that in competition, you know, you could tell who the leg lockers are. And, and again, I know the local scene enough to where I, I, I know who my guys are competing against, you know, enough to say – uh, and again, a guy like Jay Rodriguez, there's zero re- reason for him to ever be on his knees trying to pass a guard. The moment he stands up, he eliminates triangles, omoplatas, guillotines, everything that everybody wants to do to him simply by standing up. And the other thing they want to do is leg lock him. So he stays out of the guard and he steps in on cut passes, cartwheels. Again, there is there is a specific formula to win, and it's not like it's a secret or anything like that. It's just taking the competitor who says, you know, uh, you know, I'll do anything you say. I'll, 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 I'll eat, I'll lift, I'll train wherever you want, I'll do whatever you, you say to do. But, man, I, you know, I, I, and again, me being able to tell them this is one thing, them doing it and having to follow through on all this and it do the takes, sessions. Takes and, discipline, mental toughness. Yep. Right. And no rounds off either. Unless you're hurt, you don't get a round off. Let me ask you a question just to play devil's advocate on this because, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I am a black belt just like yourself. And you you understand, you understand the elements of black belt. And sometimes becoming a black belt means more than just winning competitions. It means having a full understanding of all the elements of jujitsu because that is something that, you know, you take as a point of pride. You just you follow what I'm talking about. Now, again, I yeah. understand there's lots of jujitsu practitioners out there that know one guard pass and everything, but I guarantee you they have studied the other things. Yeah. How do you justify saying, well, we're just fast passing these things by teaching them two or three techniques and getting them super, super good at it? What do you say yeah. to someone that says, well, you're not really teaching them jujitsu at that point? 
Yeah, so here's the thing. I don't really care. And <laughs> they don't really care about the belts either. I honestly only promote them so that they can compete at the level they need to compete at. Honestly, man, it, it, when they're ready and if they ever approach me and say, hey, you know, in the future, I want to own a school. I want to teach. I want to do this. Obviously, we need to drastically shift the way we're doing things. But right now, all they want to do is compete. And, and like I said, they don't care what, you know. Would you, the, the would you. Them is, uh, and they don't put on a gi. We don't, we don't even, yeah. literally don't mess with the gi at all. Aww. Would you say anything to yeah. them? Like if they were saying, hey, uh, coach, I went to go take, uh, you know, Tony's class the other day just because I wanted to learn a few other things. Like, yeah. would you, would you, would you tell them not to do that? Or would you say that's fine? Oh just, my God. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just beats the shit out of him right there. Cause that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Fuck I, out I of here. Told, you know what? When, when Nick first started going to Danaher's and I said it to Steve the other day, you know, I, and look, I know, what I'm capable of. I, I understand the level I can get to people with the, with the rooms I work in and with, you know, my abilities. Um, to, that's why I push them to go to Danaher's man, like to be in, to get into that room with those guys and be training with those guys. That's how you, like, I can get you to a next level. They can get you to where you're top five in the world. You know what I mean? So, the thing that I had told Nick in the beginning, and I, I told Steve once he started training up there, I said, listen, man, if your choices, if the, if the option is my class or, or Danaher's class, I'll, I'm going to make the decision for you now. Go to Danaher's class and train with those guys. Like, <laughs> my, I want you to be the best, not so that my name's on it. I want you to be the best because I want you to be the best. You know what I mean? And, uh, so yeah, I I, can, I don't care about the uh, them you know, yeah if they were to say taking basic classes stuff like that I always tell them go help out in the classes you know what I mean go help the, the instructors with the you know techniques and stuff like that because it's Combs and Guy teaching over there at studio. But you make sure they uh, understand that in a competition setting, these are the things that work because I have watched hours and hours yeah. and hours of competition over and over and over again, and I understand what the best guys in the world are doing and why. And it really is true. Like I watch quite a bit of competition jujitsu myself and I've been to quite an a unhealthy bit. amount. Yeah, an unhealthy, unhealthy amount. amount. Like literally I, I, I think to myself sometimes, especially now with the podcast and writing, <laughs> what I'm doing. like I'm like, what? Like I get, I kind of hate jujitsu sometimes. Like there I get are, to spite myself. I, you know? To throw my two I had in. the Houston, I had the Houston open on before you guys called. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're way, you're way bigger loser than I am. <laughs> I, I, I feel like all uh, all three of us have definitely gotten in. Like we love watching this sport; it can be amazing. Like yeah. the fight to win this past weekend, almost every I think every match was an absolute banger. It was just Dude. nonstop. Got like, so lucky, five. man, having them up here, so good. Yeah, shout. Oh, by the way, shout out to a buddy of mine, Ruben uh, Blanco. Made oh, dude, debut. right? Yeah, yeah. My I, man, uh, he's a he's, he's a. He beats the shit out of me all the time, and he's mean to me. Him. And I'm pretty sure he's stolen my wallet like five times. We'll, 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 we'll allow him to have a quick spot. We'll have yeah. let him be like a quick guest <laughs> on a show eventually. It's kind of fun. I love Ruben. If you're the watching, problem is the problem is like whenever we have him on the 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 
the footage takes a little bit longer to edit just because of how fat he is. And it's just, <laughs> like, you know, that's longer for me and I don't get paid for that. So, you know, Hey, the guy had a really great key match and he's famous now. So I can, yeah, I can make great. fun of him on here. He literally, but, um, did you <laughs> see when he won? He was so score. excited. I know. He just I hopped was, up he with a sinus so that would defy his weight, you know? Right. I, 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 <laughs> I I, I'm saying this because I'm gonna tomorrow. He's gonna rip my arms off of me because yeah. so like, like what? What do I have to lose? He's already gonna do it. Um, let, but, me, let me Kev, let me ask one more question before we go into the fight to win. I know you. I know you want to get. Oh no, I, w- I was actually gonna keep doing on this, but you can you can go go Re- for it. Man. Sorry, but I'm so, I, so so I know I know you watch quite a bit of competition, and this is something that I kind of instill in a lot of my competitors, guys that I know they're gonna be competitors. And you talked about the importance of leading to the back and aggressive guard passing and, and whatnot. But tell me a little bit about how, you know, the idea of takedowns transitioning straight into the back takes or guard passes transitioning straight into the back take, particularly in in ADCC rules formats. Correct. Because the, everything we focus on which is for is, that yeah, rule set. Exactly. Because it's the premium scoring points. It's so hard. If you go to turtle, you don't get points. Correct. If you go to turtle off the takedown, off the guard pass, you don't get points. So that transition is so, so vitally important. And you see it in so many different ways. It's literally like it's either when you watch, we make the joke about it. And, and when you watch the ADCCs, like the only way to win is either you're either going to get a takedown or you're going to get a back take off of a takedown or a guard pass. And that's literally – that's it. That's it. Tell me a little bit about how that influences your um, your, your coaching program. So it influences a, a ton because the, here's the thing. I, so when I first started jiu-jitsu, I, you know, I was told it was – you're, you know, it was because it's self-defense, you know, saw the whole, you know, Gracie's, everything like that is like back in 2006. And they said, yo, self-defense wise, it's clinch, take down or clinch, drag it to the ground, pass the guard, mount, slap in the face that they turn belly down, choke him out. Right. So that is about as straight of a roadmap as you can get to victory. Okay. Just, just following those simple guidelines. Right. All right. So. I base everything on the quickest way to get to the back. Now, if there's something that's going to show itself on the way, we're absolutely going to look at it. But a whole lot depends on that, giving up position, stuff like like from the mount, like arm locks from the mount. Like we really, really don't like taking that chance because of the, the loss percentage of what's the actual finish rate from a cross side arm bar as far as, as opposed to how many times you ended up on a bottom position. You Especially I mean? when you're dealing for the template for success you're talking about. These guys are you're, you're giving a particular rule set to give. You don't necessarily want them Correct. taking a gamble because their guard might not be as evolved to be able to work off their back. Now they're putting them in difficult positions. Now when it comes to the feet, we actually work like a lot of like foot sweeps and far knee picks because I specifically like to do stuff that will put people square on a bat on their back and and not have time to turtle stuff that puts you directly on top and it's the very new, hard the you already have the underhook that's actually pretty interesting correct so, sorry, correct. so things like shots singles and doubles seem like they're oh it's a great idea to teach until you're trying to teach a bunch of people who didn't wrestle before how to wrestle you know what i mean so i do i try to stay to more foot sweeps and and like i said far knee picks uh and stuff like that now, as far as once it, it hits the ground, the passing and stuff like that, 
Dude, I am very, very specific with not passing from the knees unless it's pressure passing or forced to the half guard. Uh, when it's when it comes to passing, I'm more pushing it from the feet. Uh, I'm a big fan of float passing. Um, and again, you'll notice that none of our guys are, are recklessly stepping into guards. Everything is set up, set up with out positioning their head, lifting the feet, making your opponent have to move before they can actually start what they were trying to do. So even from the feet, you'll see us pulling heads out of position, and it's to try to make them have to square up before they can even attempt to do anything. So, um, you know, it, it's a lot of a lot of setting up, you know what I mean? Like I said, like lifting the feet from the guard, pulling down the head on the guard for the, that standing guard passing. But after that, once you're talking about pressure passing or side control or all that stuff, Man, it's all about being super tight, double under pressure passing, head positioning. When we get to the back, man, we really, really focus on our actual finish rate from the back. Like how many times are you, are you getting to the back 10 times and finishing nine times? Or are you getting to the back and finishing three times before you're losing the position? If you're only finishing three times, then we have to you know, readjust and work on the control before we work on, on the man, finish I, I need I need to come up and get in your room because I tell you, as, you know, as a black specific. belt, as a black belt, I have I tend to not be as good from dominant positions. Like I I've yeah. wrestled, so I'm a big side mount guy, like finish from side mounts. I like the advanced positions, I like to score points, but I'm right. not getting to the back and finish in a high regularity. I'm I've gotten to be a leg lock guy, is what I tell right. people. I, I, I submit people that don't know leg locks with leg locks, but right. I have I have a leg lock repertoire. But I really believe that. One of the things that makes a higher level belt be a higher level belt is being able to not just get to those dominant positions, but finish at a high success rate. Yes, from those from those dominant positions, because just like you said, in the world of self defense, and like I've been in quite a few altercations in self defense, there's nothing. There's a reason why they call it the the lion killer, because yeah. when you put the, every knucklehead in the world stands up the wrong way. You put the rear naked choke in the hooks, and they don't they don't have a chance. Yep. No one protects their neck, and it goes right away. You don't even really need to teach any more uh, self defense than that to uh, to a blue belt. It's it's why the majority of the stuff we do do we work a ton from front headlock, like a, a ton from front headlock, just um, on uh, just attacks to the consciousness and to the back take. Like everything we do is very very. <laughs> Very systematic, man. Very, when we're here, this is our options for here. When we're here, this is our options for here. So that it's not, let's see what this guy does, or I'm trying to do this. No, we have our strong suits, and we're trying to exploit our strong suits, and we're trying to hide anything that would put our opponent in an advantageous position. I'm going to ask real, real quick, with some of your younger guys, you're dealing with a lot of like young talent, a, oh, a lot yeah. of dominant athletes. Do you have any athletes that are also involved in like high school or college uh, wrestling, like that also want to do jujitsu that are doing both. Or is it mainly, this is all I'm doing. It's, it's just like, usually guys. when they or get to, wrestlers. yeah. Uh, so you want to know what's funny, man. I, this is a tough sport for ex wrestlers, man. It really is. And it's, it's no knock, but, it's hard to be really, really dominant in a sport and walk into a room full of guys who don't do your sport and constantly get humbled. It's very, very difficult. When you're, and when you're talking about a room that's a competitive room, 
You know, like, dude. All right, did you guys see that picture of Fight Sports today, where it was Bouchesha, Hadolfo Vieira, uh, Cyborg? They're all, you know, they're all training at Fight Sports today. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't care what D one wrestler walked oh, in that fucked. room today. They were going to have a horrible day. You're probably going to get taken down, too, because those guys are yeah. all freaking because you wrestled yeah. D1. Yeah, you have a great wrestling school. But these guys, I mean, Cyborg's been wrestling at a high level for 20-plus years, and so have yeah. half of those guys in that room. Yeah. You know, and that, that's, um, that leads to a good point, like the idea that it, it really is true because when you have – I work with a lot of, like, next-level athlete guys, too. You know, I've got professional baseball players and yeah. basketball players and shit to come in. And, like, guys like that are so accustomed – to being so incredibly dominant at what they do when they yes. come into a room and now all of a sudden they're not just picking things up and guys that are like goofy and half their size and, you know, a little bit, you know, that you don't think of as being this dominant person like Kev would, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kev. all right, this has been another episode of the Kevin Bradley's last episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. You can catch him walking into the <laughs> into the ocean because it's right over there, and that'll be it. Kevin Gallagher. <laughs> no, but it's it's hard sometimes for these next level guys that are such uber competitive to accept the fact that they're getting their ass kicked, and a lot of them quit. A lot of them don't come back because they yeah. just don't want to. They're like, ah, screw that jujitsu stuff. I don't really need it because they don't want to give up. They don't want to come back. That's why wrestlers have a hard time working off their back. Because they don't, really they don't want to. Because they're so uh, good at being. Yo, you want to know what to though, man? I don't. So that's another thing. The bottom position, man. I just. I, and again, I really base everything off, you know, statistically what would work, you know, higher percentage stuff like that. Yo, how many sweeps do you think there were in ADCC oh. this year? Yeah, not not a sweeps. lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not even. It was a under thing. fifteen. I think it was thirteen. Yeah. That's Sweeps funny. In ADCC. So point. understand that at the highest level, that's going to be the most difficult thing for you to do, right? So that's why I don't have my guys put a ton of focus into that as much as I put a ton of focus into wrestling up so that if we do get taken down, we're coming up in a position where our head's inside and we can get to the hip to get to the back or to get the front headlock, right? Or getting out of pinned positions, getting out of bad positions like mount and like that. But I'm not like you'll never hear me yell for my guys to get back to a closed guard, ever, ever. Like if they're on the ground, they're either working to wrestle up, they're looking with an open guard to get the triangles, or we're working to wrestle up to get to a, a leg or your hip so that we can get the front headlock or your back. And here's the thing: I can confidently say that to anybody before we compete against them. Because the fact of the matter is that you can just be better at getting to those positions if you keep working on it. So it I don't. It doesn't really matter. It's not like my guys have all different game plans and they're all just. You got to try to stop it. And it's a very difficult thing to stop when it's all we've been working on. It goes back to the same format too. When you're talking about ACC, like it's if you think it's hard to hold somebody down off a takedown. It's exponentially harder to hold somebody down off a sweep because you got an athletic dude and everybody in the ADCC is yeah, athletic. Exactly. There, there's not a there's not anyone there that isn't a, a next level athlete, nope. trust me. Like when you when you get to a sweep and when you don't have grips from a gi to hold someone down, good luck holding someone so on the ground. 
Uh, real quick, sweet. if you just if you like uh, the the way you sell people like like on jujitsu is that you go, yes, it was designed by a real small guy in Brazil. It's to, for the small dude and the, like the weaker dude to take on the big guy. And then you show them the lineup at ADCC. They'll look at you <laughs> and go, oh, so you fucking lied. So you're a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought that's some bullshit. Just, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you you show him Jay Regalbuto, and you go, "Oh, yeah, yes, right. you fucking uh, bullshit! You lied to me." Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I have a real quick question. Just, and I want to focus yeah. more. I, I like that we're we have such a seasoned instructor who's able to talk about the way they instruct people to that those high levels, and you're. So you, you're saying you're saying it's a tough sport for ex wrestlers. You know, you're normally thinking, "Oh, this is the perfect match in heaven." They've already got so much of the game down, and uh, there's a lot of people that say if you get a D1 wrestler and it's their first jiu-jitsu class, just give them a blue belt. You know, just like they've done so much of that hard work already. Even if it's mm-hmm. a different way, they've mastered so many of the skills. Um, do you find that there is a similar? annoyance and culture shock when you're dealing with someone who's mastered a striking art, you know, that's bringing brought into jujitsu, like that they've, that they have some of the similar hangups or is it completely different? So no, 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 I, I don't think so. I don't, I definitely don't think you see it as much. And, and again, I think with the, the wrestling aspect of it, people coming in from wrestling, um, it, it, again, if they're taking the competitive approach, um, they're, they're going to realize that they have a lot to learn really quick. If they're taking the hobbyist approach where they're just doing it for fun, they're going to really enjoy it. They're going to really, really enjoy it. Now with, with the standup guys, um, I always find that when you got a standup guy, who's like a long time standup guy and they're not like doing this for MMA, like they're literally a standup guy. I find that they're the ones that have so many questions about what you're doing about why but i would just do this i would just that yeah, i know i know this yeah, we know that, situation right? and I, it's I, not really i want you to punch me okay we're, so here's what's gonna happen yeah I'm, i want you to punch <laughs> me in the face and i'm gonna take you down and we're gonna say go right now and i want you to do that before you're on the ground and i'm taking you unconscious <laughs> yeah and you know what you might be able to but i'm gonna tell yep. you that the odds are definitely in my favor and i'll take that i'll take that i'll take that gamble with any striker <laughs> in the world and they know that too because that's the thing with a lot. I'm, I, okay, I hey, lot. Israel Adesanya, Kevin Gallagher just called you <laughs> up. Easy knows that. Easy knows MMA. I'm talking about some yeah. you know, ISK kickboxer. That's oh wait, who's the life? Who's the who's the the Lethway champ? I forget his name. Um, bald guy. Uh, I think his name is Leduc. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. The, the uh, anyway, he's calling you out. He's calling yeah. you out. <laughs> Tyson Fury. Yeah, I don't. Well, he, yeah, he Tyson, Tyson Fury. Yeah, he weighs four hundred pounds, though. That's a different. That's a different animal. He, he gets. Oh my god! But across the board, when you look at the laws of averages, yeah, you're right. Strikers and strikers, as much as they want to pretend, there's a part of them inside that knows that to be true, or they wouldn't be there training. Dave Leduc. Dave Leduc is the Lithuanian champion of the world. So I, I wasn't totally <laughs> off. All right. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what I what what does well too, man. I've always found football players, linemen, stuff like that. They have a very good base, um, you know, move, move well. 
Let Steve, Joe Ackham, he was a football player. No, zero wrestling experience. Yeah, zero wrestling that, that experience. And I'll tell you what, I'll put him up there with with any wrestler. Now, he got blast doubled off the stage at Copapodia <laughs> right before he ripped that dude's leg. But, uh, but uh, yeah, good. man. And, again, it's... I think it's just understanding – you know, uh, you know, not trying, not trying to teach somebody who never wrestled before, like, all right, here's a level change and here's how you do a shot. Like they just, if, if you haven't, you know, if you didn't start, if you, you start doing that at 20 years old and thinking two weeks, three weeks, you're going to be able to compete and wrestle correctly. It's just, yeah, it's it going to work. <laughs> it's funny that you say Steve Stevie J was a, a football player because if I'm looking back into my memory, uh, I can only imagine him in a varsity jacket before I even knew yeah. that. Like he is just <laughs> he is the jock. Like I almost yes, voluntarily is, gave him my lunch money. Like, hey man, like just don't wedgie me. Here you go. <laughs> yep. I'll he's tell you what, too, man. Absolutely, boys are confident, bro. man. He is, Ed. but I'll tell you what, too. Uh, a big, big, big thing. Uh, especially with these young boys, you know, white belts and blue belts, knowing that they're going in against purple, brown, and black belts that are bigger than them and that have been training literally ten times as long as them, is their confidence. Their 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 confidence. These dudes think they can run through a brick wall when they're getting ready to compete, man. Like they just they know their techniques better. They know they have a better game plan. They know that person is probably walking out on the mat and has just said, "Ah, I'm going to move around today and see how I feel, see what happens when we, you know, have literally specific." plan for every situation it just really builds confidence man it really you know really gives you a, and you know when you're see when it's when it's working it's even <laughs> you know when you're winning tournaments winning super matches you know it's just helps for you our, build man for our um non-video watchers and and those just listening on uh, uh soundcloud or itunes uh, i just want everyone to know that the when jay said these kids think they could run through a big wall Kevin Gallagher had a brief look on his face that told me, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I could run. I could do that." Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just nuts. Jay knows me. <laughs> you know me is to love me. I, I what, what, what do I always say? I, I think I can beat anybody in the world. I'm not always you right. You have to. But <laughs> well, you know yeah. what I mean. I, that's just I the hear way you. I feel about you have to. You yeah. have to. You're gonna put. You come up. You're gonna talk shit to me. I'm. I'm a little crazy. I don't give a shit. I'm, oh well. You know what? Fuck you, buddy. I'm gonna win this thing. I might get yep. my ass kicked. But I got my ass kicked before. What's the what's the difference? <laughs> uh, I may outgrow that by the time I'm sixty or seventy. But as of right now, oh no, I'm gonna catch you on your little like your little like electric wheelchair trying to run through a brick wall, uh, and I'll have to stop. You. I tell you what, you better be ready. You better be ready for some shit, Kevin. If you come at me, I'll visit you in the old folks' home. <laughs> every, every dog still got one fight left in him. That's it, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> So, so I, I don't know if Kevin's got any any closing remarks, but I definitely have one question that yeah. I, I definitely got to ask you because it's come up many times indirectly during this podcast, and that's the idea of rank. You know, you've got a lot of blue belts and purple belts that you're throwing against black belts. You know, established guys, and they're they're coming away with a lot of success. You're giving people. You're skipping what is the traditional means of teaching people. You know, it, yeah. white belts learn scissor sweep. They learn that grab the arm and hip up, mount escape. Right. You know, they learn that one like closed guard escape. And you're just you're skipping all that. Not, not and I hope that doesn't sound like a knock. It's just what's happening. No. Oh God, no. You're Do you think in 2020 right now belts are more of a detriment? 
to jujitsu than they are a, an enhancer? Like, are they really, are they helping or hurting or do they matter at all? So uh, I think that, that it definitely, uh, divisions need to be set and belts are great for that. You know what I mean? I, I definitely think for no gi, especially gi is way more, you know, don't, and, and let me not, let me make this clear. If my guys put on a gi, <laughs> Totally different ball game. Doesn't mean I can't teach or don't think I can't teach competitors in a gi. I just enjoy no gi much more. But uh, um, no, I a hundred percent think that that rank is is important as far as categorizing what it is uh, you're competing against. You know, to to compete into the you know expert divisions or what have you. Because I think even like, dude, I think the good fight does their no gi by belt rank. So, like, when my guys do good fights, I say, you know, make sure you put yourself in as a black belt. That way you can, you know, compete against the black belts. Um, but, again, and, and here's the thing I think that uh, is just where I look at it a bit differently is that, again, I'm talking about competitors. Hobbyists are a whole, a whole nother thing, you know what I mean? Again, my guys don't care about getting a stripe. They don't care i mean maybe inside like ah, i can't wait till i get a purple belt or something but i you know what i mean it's not uh they're they're not thinking about it like like that we're we're looking at it again there's the belt is just what division we're allowed to compete in for for us personally you know do they necessarily need the the growth that comes from attaining that next belt that your hobbyists yeah. are trying to go they're not in Correct. it for that they, although they in my got that shit. in my brain now i'm imagining nikki rod just sitting in his bed looking at the, the no stripes on his purple belt like why isn't why is it because <laughs> 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 why don't have any stripes he's like he's like i'm technically outranked by hobbyists i'm, I'm, I'm mad the hell, man? i tapped i tapped tom four times last week Jake, come on just give me a stripe man on his purple belt what the fuck man what do i got hashtag do? hashtag give nikki rod a stripe <laughs> you know it's funny i bet nikki rod's belt is a chew toy for his dog right now <laughs> he he, when he got it, he said he oh, don't great. care <laughs> that's pretty funny that's pretty funny well dude i i i just wanted to say that i, I wanted to get into a little bit about your broadcasting stuff but i'm getting tired man this road is kind of kicking my ass I get, I think I'm oh, sorry man we're hitting, we're hitting our hour our hour dude, mark good i like talking about my guys more <laughs> yeah, like, but I, I did want to say in particular that, wow, like, you really are good at it. Like, I watched a little bit of you on the fight to win, and, and just like, you know, I've seen you in other capacities as a color guy. You know yeah. what I mean? You're someone that kind of adds a little bit of flair. But to hear you in that play by play type spot, like the head guy, you yeah. know, what I'm talking about the, the one running yeah. the show, man, you did a good job, man. You really did. Thank like, you. you have a great understanding of the sport. Um, you've obviously watched and commented on tons and tons of jujitsu matches, and it shows not only in the quality of the product of the um, of the the athlete you put out, but your ability to vocalize it and do things like and from someone that is in the broadcasting world. You know, you know, yeah. I'm talking about like yeah. I, I really appreciate, appreciate that means that. a lot, man. Do, man. Yeah, I, uh, I dude, I take, I do, you know, I do a lot of research, I do a lot of homework before, um, you know, I, I again, I, I just. Uh, Dude, I love it, man. I love watching, you know, the competition and Seth, you know what I mean, and Missy giving me yeah, I got to do the last five weeks, the subversive and the four fight to wins that were in Philly. Yes. 
you know, well, I'm I'm well just deserved. so appreciative. Yeah, I'm just so appreciative uh, of, of just getting that opportunity. But I appreciate the kind words, man. I really do put a lot into it. And, uh, you know, I go back and I listen to, you know, every one of them just to, you know, see what I can what I can adjust, see if there was any kind of uh, see. I look for technical errors. Was I wrong on on the transitions or stuff like that? Just to, you know. From from my own practice, yeah, but, but I able, really appreciate to that. To do man. that on the fly and be as accurate at it as you are, it's it's a tough thing to do, man. Like that's that's yeah. that's a skill that takes a long time to cultivate. I'm I, sure Kevin can agree with me too. No, I, I I actually lucked into having some commentary experience far above my pay grade when um one of the comment I think it was Jake Watson had to drop out of the BJJ Woodstock Subspectrum show. Oh and yeah, I was that al- was a great show too. Yeah, I was already cool. going as as a as a media personality for the JJT, and Jordan hit me up saying like, "Hey man, we had a." We had a dropout. Can you do it? And I just went, ah, okay. And and it is if you if you have experience watching matches, you can get by. But it is very daunting, you know, yeah. because you're also aware of the fact that if you get something wrong, a, a, an army of online oh, people yeah. who can kill you <laughs> is going to let anybody on. <laughs> Bro, the last thing I listen to is anybody online, man. I know, but you also you you love the sport and you want to do it right. You know, yeah, especially yeah, yeah, we, I, sure. I was doing it right next to Josh LaDuke, you know, big black belt yeah. knows what he's talking about. So you, you ah, want to make sure that you, guy. <laughs> you, see, you guys can say that I can't, you know, <laughs> but, but I do, I do want to also echo Kevin and saying that you are, you set a gold standard and the next time I Thank luck into much, having the chair, I'm definitely going to be thinking of how I can be you, more you, like you, you and you and Alameda are probably my favorite guys. You guys, yeah. do really good. you guys both do a good job, man. That you guys really Thank knock it out. Really, really means means a lot, man. It yeah. does. I really take pride in it. So I, I appreciate that. When Kevin and I finally have a, a big fallout and have a fight to the death ten years from now, I want you to do that. <laughs> <comment there. laughs> Dude, we'll Facebook live it. I got one funny one. I got one one funny one. You remember the Keenan? You remember Keenan and Gordon did that hour and a half? Yeah. Match. Yeah. All right. So I commentated that. Oh, you did? Oh, my game. God. I was like watching paint dry. I felt bad for you. Is that really you? I'm going to go back and watch it. I would laugh at you. <laughs> Yo, so right in the beginning, because he said, this was when, like, Facebook Live first came out. And he's like, we're going to do it on Facebook. So I'm like, all right, I'll get one of those microphones. So at least it's clear because I'm going to have to be holding the phone, too. Right. <laughs> Yo, I had a thing on for, like, 10 seconds. And I had the Facebook Live and the comments start coming up. <laughs> Who the hell's breathing so heavy into the microphone? <laughs> Dude, I took that back. thing off. <laughs> I took that thing off so quick. <laughs> That's funny. Man, That's who's breathing man, like, so heavy into the mic? That I, I appreciate the fact, and this is just something for me. Like, I love how this sport has evolved and grown yeah. to the point that it is now. And I love that guys like yourself they were in the beginning stages, but when fucking we had a Facebook live stream and you had to carry your phone around, <laughs> yep. you know what I mean, with an earpiece in to put something on like a no like an a no time limit match between Keenan Cornelius and Gordon Ryan. Could you imagine the production value of an event like that? Oh now? my gosh! You know, Are you kidding like, me? Yeah, it's cool to talk to yeah. someone like you because it's cool to see someone like yourself that's been doing this shit before it was cool, man. You know what I mean? You yeah. did it when it was when it was just, you know, a couple dudes with some phones trying to spread the art around because people love jujitsu, man. That's fucking yep. awesome. Dude. I appreciate I'm it, guys. I really do, do really. Yeah. 
All right, fuck off. I gotta go. I feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you feel better, uh, man. I got, I got, I, I'm done for. This you gotta sleep so your body can I'm fight off the Rona. I can't. Man. I can't steer this ship alone, man. I need you. I need you at least until we get to 100 episodes, and I can, <laughs> I can sell the show to HBO or something. All right. Well, I don't want to keep our uh, my intrepid co-host, so I'm gonna let's wrap things up. Uh, Jay, thanks again for showing uh, showing up and giving us so many. Uh, fun stories and big pieces of information. We hope you come back soon. Uh, maybe we'll do an in-person thing when the second wave dies down. Uh, That's cool. But in the meantime, I've been your host. This has been another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I've been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Jay, we hope to see you soon. But in the meantime, uh, <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Uh, everybody stay safe. Second wave's coming down. We need all of us to to come together because you know jujitsu is going to take another big hit so support your local gyms when you can uh buy merchandise uh keep in touch with everybody uh support systems never been more important but uh also get some sleep good night everybody